In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WABA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio 105.1 FM, WABA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WABA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Well, folks, get this one. Listen to this one. It's a story that started nine years ago. A family of six began the process of adopting a little girl from Haiti. Months of waiting literally turned into years of waiting. Finally, last year, they brought Bettina, now a teenager, home to Virginia. Just as, guess what? COVID, the pandemic, began to lock us all down in our communities. Now they are living as a family of seven, and they want to encourage you and I and others to adopt. You can hear their whole family, everyone's side of the story, on their podcast, Bringing Home Baby. Mom and dad are here with us today, so guess what? You know the drill, of course. Here to get us started and introduce our guest for the day is my good friend, my co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Hey, brother. Good to see you, man. God bless you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's good to see you as well. I, I love the story we're going to talk about today. We were just oh, talking about cool. it off air. Very cool. That uh, a story of adoption is not just a story for here, but it's, it's part of the great biblical story itself. The name of this show is Amen. Good News for the City. Amen. And the good news, the gospel, is that we were separated from God. That's not the good part. But because of what Jesus did, coming, living a spotless in his life, dying a sinner's death on the cross, and then rising victorious over sin, death, and the grave on the day we call Resurrection Sunday, all of those of us who choose to believe that he has paid the penalty on our behalf for sin Amen. can be put Amen. back into relationship with God. And scripture says in Romans chapter eight, we are adopted into the family of God. So every single one of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ and with God, the father, because of Jesus Christ, we are adoptees. Yes. And there's something really, really powerful about when we see that played out in a very physical way here that portrays a spiritual reality both in this life and the life to come. And so yes. we have with us today, Clint and Jennifer Clifton. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Uh, Clint's a founding pastor of Pillar Church down near the United States Marine Corps base in Quantico. And for those of you who uh, watch TV a lot, Quantico is actually a place, not just something they talk about on a television <laughs> show, right? Indeed. Uh, Indeed. The U.S. Marine Corps base in Quantico in Northern Virginia. He and his wife have been married since 2000. They have five children. He holds degrees from the Baptist College of Florida, as well as Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. And he currently serves as a senior director of resources for the North American Mission Board in Atlanta. Jennifer, as well, is very busy as a small business owner, and she's a homeschooling mother. And so, as we talked about already, they have uh, certainly uh, a family of seven. So I'm sure (laughs) she stays very, very busy uh, running all of that. But the focus of today isn't all of that, even though that's in the background. It really is this this that you've introduced already, uh, adoption. So Clint, Jennifer, thanks for being with us today. Uh, thank you very much. We're really glad to be here. God bless you guys. I think most people know somebody, whether it's directly or through someone, that has an adoption story. 
whether as someone who was adopted or someone who adopted someone else. And every story has its unique turn. Every story has a background and a process, of course, and, and every story has a length of time. But, but this story is unique in the fact that it's probably more prolonged than most adoption stories we'd be aware of from start to finish, nine years yeah. uh, to adopt uh, Bettina. Why did it take so long for those people who just need to get that out of the way before they hear the rest of it? Yeah, I think it probably took so long because when we started, Haiti was not a part of the Hague Convention. Mm -hmm. And so in our process, they joined and it caused us lots of backpedaling, redoing paperwork, starting the process over several times. So I think that was our part of our biggest issue. Sure. I'm sure all of us at some point or another are familiar with the terms government red tape. And so it happens everywhere. If you're not familiar with the government red tape, just try to go to the Department of Motor Vehicles without the proper identification and you will discover it very quickly. Um, So, you know, what started is something you probably thought was going to take a shorter amount of time, uh, you know, goes nine years. So when you start the process, she's young and now she's a teenager. As you walk through this process, God always promises us that everything that he allows into our life, he will use it for good. And that good in Romans chapter eight, isn't always the definition we say of good, but it's verse 29 to conform us to more like Jesus, to be more like Jesus in that way. So as you walk through this process, Clinton, Jennifer, what are some of the big challenges, maybe even surprises that happen in this moment? And then from those, obviously, what did God do to, to use those in your life to teach you things? Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest challenge for sure was the weight. Uh, you know, that's the big obvious one. When we started the process, we we're told it could take up to two years and obviously it took a lot longer than that. And Mm -hmm. the joining of the Hague convention was part of it, but there was also, you know, a lot of things that happened along the way. There was uh, some, you know, sort of corruption with those who were handling our work. We had to change groups and couriers and agents several times and so there were there were lots of changes throughout the the journey but we were we were adopting from a place that we knew was volatile from the beginning so um so the weight was a a huge challenge Mm -hmm. uh but uh we also uh you know we also had to just continue the process because we had we'd come this far in the process was like every time we got to a barrier it was like, well, we could turn back and give up or we could just press ahead and see what, what lies ahead. And so we continued to, to press ahead. But there were there were lots of challenges along the way. Yeah. And the Lord, the Lord did teach us lots of good things through that. You know, and most of the people who listen to this show are probably uh, inside the United States of America. And there's a lot of blessings that we have in this country. One of the things, though, that I've noticed, maybe you've noticed, is we don't like to wait. I mean, right. we don't like to wait for a coffee in Starbucks for, you know, an extra two minutes or whatever it might be. It's all about quick. And now in, in the waiting, what did you feel as if God was doing in your own lives for those of us who have an aversion to waiting, especially under something that we want so deeply and seems to be something that's so good. And that is like bringing a child into a home that yeah. gives them a sense of security and hope. I think one of the bigger things that it gave us the opportunity was to focus on his mom. She Mm -hmm. ended up moving in with us and she was very sick and needed lots of attention. And so during the time we were waiting, we got to focus more on her and care for her before she passed away. So, Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There were, there were lots of things in our, in our own kids' lives and our 
professional life, we, we worked in ministry and there was, the ministry was growing really a lot. And there were a lot of things going on uh, during that time that, you know, we looking back, had the adoption happened when we kind of wanted it to happen, man, it would have been a really haywire period of time. And, and from a timing standpoint, you mentioned that Bettina came home during COVID. She came home on March 23rd, 2020. So, I mean, she came home literally oh, wow. like right a week into it, right? Wow. Right, yeah. right yeah. in in the middle of it. So you imagine we waiting nine years, and then um, this pandemic hits, and we're just kind of grappling with the reality of how big this thing's going to be. You know, at that time in uh, mid March, we were all saying, "Oh, this will blow over in two weeks." You know, and it was starting to people were starting to say, "Well, maybe it won't blow over in two weeks," <laughs> and yes, so yes. they were shutting they were shutting down air travel. Uh, uh, globally when, when I was getting on an airplane to go there. And in oh fact, goodness. from between the time I took off in the U S and landed in Haiti, they had shut down Haitian air travel. And uh, when I got to Haiti, we were told there's no more flights going out. You're here, you know? And wow. uh, so we ended up being there a little longer than anticipated, but um, so yeah, there was, it, but looking back, you asking about what the Lord's done in that, the providence of that was that when we did get home, we had a year uninterrupted yeah. from our busy, busy lives where we got to know Bachina. And um, that's a lot of what we try to highlight in the podcast and the Bring Home Bay, Bay podcast is like what what a grace that was in our lives, you know, that God gave us that. Yeah, I love it. I wanted to bring that out, especially because, you know, intellectually, a lot of times we say we know God's timing is best. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's only when that tension, that moment where God's timing isn't lining up with what maybe our preordained idea is. I like to joke lots of times that I believe in God's plan, but too often I live this way. I present God's plan to him, my plan to God and ask him to notarize it. And he's like, no, no, that's not how this works. But when we actually then see it in retrospect, some ways, some of the ways that God's working and how he was blessing even this prolonged, it acts as an encouragement because there are people that are most likely listening to this and thinking to themselves, wow, that sounds discouraging from the adoption process. Uh, having to wait that long and all that sort of stuff, but there are encouragements behind it. So for maybe someone who is listening right now on the radio or someone said, Hey, I know that you've been interested in adopting and, and handed in the podcast. You've got to lift, you got to listen to the Clifton's talk about this. How would you, how would you encourage them to think about adopting or maybe people who've just never even thought about it that maybe should. Yeah. Well, I, I, one of the things that comes to mind for me is <clears throat> from a device standpoint, and people ask us this a lot, actually, it's funny, you don't have to, uh, we feel like the least qualified people to give advice about adoption because ours was so you know awful in a sense, it took so long. So mm-hmm. we don't feel qualified to offer out adoption advice, but I will say that we were advised in the beginning, somebody gave us the, the counsel not to, uh, not to see these children as our children until they were granted to us by whoever has authority over them now. Uh, and, and that advice ended up being great advice because I see a lot of adoptive families get really, really emotionally wound up in the adoption process and they don't think rationally through the process. So mm-hmm. the, the truth is that Bichina um, and we were originally adopting two children, um, Bichina and John, they were, they were the responsibility of the Haitian government. And we were sort of applying to be, become their parents throughout that process. And that mindset of we're, we're asking for this privilege or this opportunity to be their parents helped us to not, because it's different if I feel like those are my children and they're not being given to me. 
-hmm. and if I feel like they are not my children, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm hoping for the opportunity to become their parents. And I think that just really helped us. And Jennifer was super mature in that process. I mean, most wives that I know, you know, I don't think would have handled it quite as good as she did, but she was very rational through the process and kind of, uh, you know, was hoping for the opportunity to bring them home, but it was never, we never felt entitled to that. Yeah. You kind of answered, you kind of answered my question, Clint, because I was going to ask, where was she this whole time? I mean, was she, I guess she was sort of the government, the Haitian government was in charge of her, right? Yeah. The whole time you were waiting. Yeah. Technically as an orphan, just like a foster care, foster child would be in the United States. She was, she was sort of the ward of the the government, but she was in a private children's home. Okay. And she, uh, by Haitian standards, from my observation, she was in a wonderful children's home. She was in a great place. Like there was a lady who cared for, she is like 40 something kids there. They were, they always had three meals a day. They, if they were sick, she took them to a doctor. Like she loved on them. She hugged them. Like she was generally cared for and loved on. That's a great great place to be in a great Yeah. That's a wonderful story. You know, Clint, you just mentioned, and either one of you can, can speak to this. Uh, the concept of like fostering children and you, you have also fostered children. Um, how was that impacted? Because as you know, people who are familiar with fostering, fostering is a temporary assignment. Um, parenting, when you adopt, that is a full-time assignment. By temporary, it means not like you're not working hard when they're there, but there's the concept that maybe someone else adopts them or whatever. But how, how do you feel like that has been something that has grown you grown your family and also as an opportunity maybe for people who adoption is uh, a step maybe beyond that, but fostering could be something they could consider. Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, just for clarity. So we are uh, foster parents uh, recently approved as foster parents in our County. It's the second time we've been approved Mm -hmm. as foster parents. We did this 10 years ago, but we've never actually had a child placed with us for one reason or another. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, so, so we haven't actually been foster parents yet, though we Mm -hmm. do hope for the opportunity to do that soon. Uh, And there's a great need in our County. I'm sure that we will be, uh, we, like I said, we just went through that process, but we did that. Um, primarily because we feel like there's still room in our hearts and in our home for, for kids. You know, there's, I mean, you, you make all these, we make all these excuses for why we can't uh, care for those around us. And, you know, and there's a balance between trying to look out for our own household and, and take on, have margin in our life to take on for the needs of others. And uh, we've just, we've just found that we feel like we have a little bit of margin to, to mm-hmm. give away a little bit of love yeah. to give away. And so we, we've sought to do that and we, we trust the Lord's providence in that we're not, we're not antsy or eager for that, but when it, when the opportunity avails itself and, and our church is trying to take a position in our County as, you know, very, very supportive of our foster care system. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to sort of lead out in, in that as well. And Jennifer, as you know, obviously the mom in the family in that role, it is a family. It's not just you and Clint. Uh, whenever you uh, bring a Bacina in or foster, if that happens uh, in the future, you're bringing them to a whole family. How is your the rest of your family, the rest of your children, uh, responding and working to having you know a you know someone new, uh, whether it's as simple as someone new to fight for bathroom time for, or something much more complicated than that in the house. 
Yeah, they have been fantastic. And there's definitely fighting over bathroom time because <laughs> they currently share one bathroom. So, you know, everyone's trying to get in the bathroom. Yeah. But um, they have been great. We, I mean, our youngest, Moses, he's 11. All he's ever known is we're trying to bring Bettina home. Mm. And so by the time she finally got to come home, like everyone was just so excited that it's finally happening. And they had lists, long list of, we want to take Pacina to eat at this place. We want to take her to do this. Like they just wanted to do all the things and show her all the stuff and Mm -hmm. have all the adventures with her. And so they have just been fantastic. So our our one daughter now shares a room. She's never done that before because we have a bunch of boys in her. And so right. now she shares a room. And so it's really funny. You look in there, one side is nice and nice and tidy. The other side's like a bomb exploded. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. Brian, I can tidy side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have a 14 year old that may be in the non nice and tidy side. And I can say that because she never listens to my radio show. So she doesn't know I just outed her. And what were we going to say, Dennis? No, I was just going to say, Brian, that um, Clint and Jennifer, I'm kind of, um, I don't know if I want to say in awe of you, but I marvel at you because of your, um, I mean, kids are tough, you know, it's tough to parent. I mean, I have, uh, I have, my kids are all grown now, but man, God has really gifted you guys. And, and then Clint, you said, you know, you still like, you feel like you still have margin, man, praise God for you guys. I'm just kind of, whoa, you dudes are, you impressed me. <laughs> well, do to do that excuse me <laughs> yeah, I, honestly i mean the margin man it's not that i it, that can come across like oh we've got everything together sure um, sure you were look under the hood of our household and what we got going on you'd be like wow this is haywire we're uh, yeah it's a circus <laughs> kind of like most of us <laughs> but i mean the, compared to the life these kids in foster care live our house is stable and sure. the, love that, the love that's here is real. And, you know, to with, Amen. it feels like with withholding that from them for the sake of our sort of comfort and ease. Mm-hmm. And when you put those two things next to each other, it just feels like, ah, that's not, that's not right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, our father pursued us when, when we were orphaned and right. just is the, it's the way that we live out the, the Christian, the Christian life, you know? So yeah. it just, it feels like the right thing to do. Yeah, there probably is, as we mentioned up front, just that there's probably no other better physical example of what was done for us and what's happening yes. right now. Yes. And, and it just, you know, a moment again, you know, people who are listening right now, whether they're listening on the podcast for us or wrestling, listening live on WAVA, we encourage you to go to the podcast uh, of the Clifton's it's bringing home baby. It's available on Spotify. You can find out more about this process, more about how Pacina's doing. I know that's a question that a lot of people have, but I want to make a shift real quick away from maybe the personal aspect of your family and then move to something that I've already heard you refer to about your church and how wanting to make an impact in your County in regards to fostering and adoptive, how important is the church, the local church, the gathering of believers uh, in this process in helping with adoption and helping with foster care in the needs in our communities. Yeah. You know, in most communities around North America, there are, there are a manageable number of foster children. Um, so say, you know, a few thousand foster kids in a large metropolitan area or a few hundred in smaller ones. Um, it, and, and there are usually an equal or greater number of congregations, Christian congregations in those communities. And so, I mean, it's a very simple concept that if every church adopted one foster child, we'd eradicate foster care from, from our nation, the, the issue of foster care. 
Uh, the truth is, though, that in most communities, churches are just simply not engaged whatsoever. Every church that I know of, and I'm working with churches all over the region, every church that I know of is sitting around a table once a month, once a week, and they're, tr they're asking the question, what do we do to reach people in our community? And they're scratching their heads yes. trying to figure it yes. out. Your government has a way that you can be engaged, and they, in most cases, will actually pay the individual families to do it. Um, and to, so to me, it's just like, oh man, this, this, like it's served up to us on a silver platter right there in our own communities. Mm -hmm. There's this great need. And you look under the hood of most foster care programs and you'll see a couple passionate women usually who are running it, who love those kids ferociously, who work their tails off and make almost nothing to do it. That's, I know that's the way it is in our County. And the, we got all these churches that could just be blessing their socks off all the time, taking care of them. And they're just not doing it. So we have said, we can't speak for every church in our county, but we can say, we're going to do everything in our power to let those people who run the foster care system in our county know that we're for them, that we're for those kids, and that our, our uh, congregants are going to be the very best um, foster parents that we can, we can muster up. And we've said, you know, there's all these situations where, uh, in the if you're a social worker or a foster care worker where you want to do things but there's just not budget for it there's not time there's not capacity yeah. so we've mm -hmm. tried to say to them hey we've got money we've got time we've got capacity you tell us what you need and we'll provide it even if it doesn't fit in any nice box you know sure and, uh, well great. you know as, as we find ourselves kind of getting near the end of our time together today there there's one thing that i would like you know i it's, I mean, it's a hard question. I'm going to ask you to give me one. It's probably 10. But what would you say is one of the number one misconceptions that gets in the way, whether it's an individual or a family or whether it's a church that, that keeps people from engaging in adoption or keeps people in engaging in foster care that we just need to dispel? I think something that people are probably, I think that people are just afraid. Like they hear all the bad stories mm -hmm. and all the children that have like severe trauma and all the kids have trauma in their life, but it's not all severe. Sometimes the children just need to be loved on and know they're in a safe place while their birth parents are getting help and healing. And so I think people are just afraid of what they might be bringing into their home. But if they know God's calling them to that, they should also know that God's going to protect them and provide for their Amen. family. Mm, I love that. God Amen. does not yes. call us to anything. He also does not provide what we need in that moment because he is the ultimate good father. Right. And yes. what good father Matthew tells us is going to give his son a rock when he asks for bread or a snake when he asks for a fish. What good father God in heaven is going to say, go adopt and say, oh, by the way, this is, you know, a snake when, you know, I said, here's a fish. And so yes. uh, that is great. Yeah. Just, you know, anything that you would just as you go, you just want to say, hey, encourage someone with these words. We love to do that as we end the show from time to time. Yeah, I, I would just say, I mean, I, I recall this moment when we were um, over visiting the orphanage in Haiti for the first time, and we were, uh, our, our orphanage director put us to sleep in the room where all the kids were sleeping. We were kind of in the middle of the room, and all the kids are on bunks around us, two to three per bed, you know, and we could sort of hear the, the surround sound of kids sleeping around us, and, you know, we just, I just remember us whispering, having a conversation, and just talking about, man, all the excuses that we had for why we can't do this feel so silly right now. Mm. Uh, and so I would just encourage you to put yourself in a position where you get to actually see and experience the, the, uh, the uh, atrocity of parentless kids 
and just put yourself in that position so you can observe it. Cause I think if you observe it and you love the Lord, uh, there will be a, uh, you know, there will probably be an emergence of a, of a desire to, to be a part of the solution. Well, thank you for coming and sharing your story and how you're allowing God to be uh, allowing God in your life to be your part to do your part rather is what I'm trying to say in the solution that he's trying to bring. Dennis, as always, these are encouraging moments when we hear about people living out the goodness. Oh my goodness. Clint, Jennifer, God bless you guys, man. This is fantastic. Um, It's always just not nearly enough time. Um, So we are grateful to you for spending a few minutes with us. Hey folks, you can, you can hear the podcast, Bringing Home Baby. It's available on Spotify, Bringing Home Baby on Spotify. Also, you want to listen to this story again and get more information. You can go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can always call me at the radio station, 703-807-2266. I will give you as much information as I can and get you in touch with uh, Clint and Jennifer, if I can do that also. So give me a call. Hey, folks, thank you for joining us. God bless you all. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.